Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and you have tuned into the before episode of another before and after birth story. My guest today is an 18-year veteran of the television industry. She spent the first half of her career working on little-known reality shows such as MTV's The Real World, Project Runway, and Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Currently, she's the head of production at Transition Productions, now specializing in live and documentary sports content for NBC, ESPN, and HBO, and where she and her producing team were nominated for a sports Emmy in 2016. She is a proud native New Yorker, now residing with her husband here in Venice, California, and they're getting ready for a transition of their own in the not-too-distant future. Erica Ciccone Clancy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Dr. Did I say Berlin. it right? You did. You oh, did great. I yep. thought you were kidding when you said that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you got it right. Uh, so, I mean, there's so many fascinating things about you. I don't know where to start. Let's just start where you're from originally. Sure. Um, so I'm originally from New York City, uh, born and raised in Queens. Yeah. Only a slightly cooler borough than when you're from. Staten Island. Island. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun to say. It's two words and everything. Um, I am the middle of three girls uh, from a really middle-class working family um, from Queens. How would you like uh, being the middle child? I think it explains a lot once you get to know me. I think it explains a lot about my personality and my quirks and... Um, you know, we were from a really close-knit Italian family, so we're very loud and very passionate, um, but also very close and very involved in each other's lives. Like the five of you are very close? Yeah, everybody, like our entire or family. extended to? Our extended family as well, yeah. Does anybody else live here? Nobody else lives here. Oh. Yeah, I am the black sheep of my family, I and like uh, I like to say I, I do the things I say I'm going to do. And one of them was was to move here, and ten years later, here I am. So ten years ago, you said I'm moving to. <laughs> yeah, I always just um, was. I loved California. I had traveled out here a lot through work, and uh, you know, really loved being near the ocean and and surfing and just the lifestyle out here had always intrigued me. What brought you here for the first the first time? Uh, work. Uh, I In production? In production, yeah. I was working at uh, MTV. I've heard of it. Yep. Uh, right well, in Times Square. Outfit. Yep. 1515 Broadway. Uh, what were you doing there? Um, is that where you started in production? That is how I started in production. I was a very young intern there. I started interning there before I graduated college. Oh, cool. Uh, kind of just knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I went to the University of Stony Brook, which is a state school in New York, and uh, it's kind of far away from the city, but close enough to be able to, to commute in every day. So um, I would, a few days a week, jump on the LIR right on my campus and be in the middle of the city and uh, started my internship there. Oh, cool. And you grew from there. I did. So they sent you to California for the first time? Yeah, many times. And uh, just really became engulfed in the lifestyle out here. Um, where did you, along the way, where did you meet your husband? So my husband and I uh, in production as well. So he's from Connecticut, um, but we met here in L.A. I actually hired him on a, a television show and always felt like he was a lot younger than me, even though he was only two years younger than me. At the time, it was uh, I just hired him as a PA, uh, which is just an assistant around the set helping with certain things. And um, I think I was probably <laughs> attracted to him right away. I'd never seen his type of style 
like even though he was a Connecticut boy, he had this really cool like surfer skater style um, with the vans and the high socks. And it, it, it kind of <laughs> definitely piqued my interest. But we were friends for many, many years. And every time I came to L.A., I would hire him. Because oh, so of his he was talents. living here and He was already here. living here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came out for work, I would hire him. And we developed this really, really great relationship, friendship, and eventually kind of organically turned into something more. So Is he Italian? He is Italian and uh, Irish, hence the Clancy. Oh, yeah. I see. So half yeah. and half. Yeah. I mean, growing up in New York on the East Coast was uh, such a huge part of my personality still. Like, even though I've lived here for a decade... I, I tend to still identify very closely with my New York roots, mm-hmm. which I think is something that you and I had uh, yeah we bonded over bonded it. over right away. Well, you came in with the accent. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like a taste of home. Yeah, I call it my bicoastal identity crisis. You know, people are like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm from New York, but I live here in Venice." Uh, you know, I think it'll always be a part of my personality and and what I tend to always identify with, which keeps you really grounded. You can't take the New Yorker out of a uh, New you Yorker. Cannot. <laughs> you it's cannot. Like, I, like when we moved to Georgia, my wife and I are both from Staten Island. Yep. When we moved to Georgia, we kind of started to lose our accent. I didn't even realize it. It just kind of melts away a little bit. And then when we came here, people kept saying, where are you from? I'm like, oh, you can't tell? By my, and I realized yeah. it's gone. Yours is still pretty Mine strong. is still pretty pretty prevalent. And then once I get on the phone with my family, oh, it, forget gets, a, forget about it, it gets pretty deep. Yeah, it gets pretty deep. <laughs> um, yeah. So growing up was really cool. Like um, my, my mom growing up was a dancer. My grandmother was also a dancer. She was actually a rockette. Oh, wow. At Radio City Music Hall, which was uh, a really – amazing part of, of my lineage that I always kind of reach back to. That's pretty um, fascinating. So would you go yeah. watch their shows? No, I mean, she had passed away when I was pretty young. Um, mm. So no, but that was just always a part of like the stories my mom would tell about her, which was cool. Mm. And so, of course, my mom had us all in dance lessons. We were super mm-hmm. young. Um, and that sort of parlayed me into starting gymnastics, which is is definitely something I also identify with being a competitive gymnast basically my entire life up until, um, you know, I went to college. Specific elements of gymnastics? I mean, all around gymnast. I, um, you know, trained five days a week. You know, my family, it was a big commitment for them to kind of hustle home from work and get me fed into the gym. And um, I really feel like being a competitive gymnast my whole young life definitely molded me into the person I am today. Are you competitive by nature? I think so, yes. I think so. I think it's more, for me, it's more about the perfectionism of being a competitive gymnast. It was, um, you know, my work ethic, my drive. I think that I I find that piece of me almost every single day. So for me, being a competitive gymnast, learning body awareness and, and body confidence at a really young age definitely... Um, has has molded me as an adult. You know, I I was at a group of um, a group of CEOs, and one of the things they were saying when they look for new hires is they always love to get athletes because right. their work ethic is so strong. Like to be able to succeed in athleticism, you really have to apply yourself and push yourself. Exactly. And if you can translate that into work, it makes you really successful. When did you move here? Um, I've been here almost a decade, so, you know, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a sort of natural progression. I, I love New York City. 
Um, I lived on the Upper West Side with my sister for many, many years, and, and that was a really fast-paced, cool way to be, um, you know, working hard, partying hard, and just really living. And anytime I go back to New York, I joke, like, don't let me be here for too long because I'll go and, you know, sort of get back on the subway and go to Central Park and, and go up to my old neighborhood and eat the pizza and Uh-oh. just feel, like, very much back in the mix, so no matter how long I, I live in L.A. or travel, anytime I go back to the city, it's like nothing ever changed. So mm. I, I'll always have that. But the West Coast life has definitely agreed, agreed with me in many, many ways that I don't think that, you know, I could ever see myself being back in the city. How long? Uh, were, you, were you guys like already in a relationship when you moved here? No. Um, I think it was definitely something that... Um, you know, prompted the move in a small way. Just, you know, having seen how, you know, somebody else from the East Coast would, you know, come out here and work in production and and kind of follow their dream of doing something cool in a different place. But I was sort of already on that track. And I think, you know, being with my husband, Dave, was something that that moved it along slightly. But um, I was definitely very much doing my own thing. You know, I, I moved into this amazing, you know, studio kind of little apartment in, in Venice Beach, right on the speedway over there and uh, right by Muscle Beach and, and lived there for five years on my own. Actually, you know, we've been together. We just got married last year. We've been together over not, you know, about nine years now, but oh, um, wow. we didn't live together for very long. I think that was just something that I stayed really firm in. And I think it's kind of helped us stay really strong in our relationship. We didn't kind of jump into things too quickly. So a nine year jump, a nine year jump. I mean, <laughs> it took us nine years to get married. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We just had our year wedding anniversary. So um, special for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, so did you even though it took nine years to jump into uh, marriage, did you yep. think about having kids right after or? Yeah, we always knew we wanted a family. And got married and and kind of enjoyed married life for a few months. Didn't really put too much pressure on, you know, let's start a family right away. But after a few months, we're like, okay, let's start trying. Um, And I'm 38, so it could have really went either way for me. You know, one of my sisters got pregnant really quickly and easily, and the other sister didn't. So um, she had IVF with her, um, her two kids. And, you know, my mom had three kids, but also miscarried with twins. So like, it mm. kind of was a crapshoot. So uh, my husband and I were like, you know, let's just try, you know, famous fucking last words. <laughs> <laughs> let's just start trying. And, um, you know, we were in a committed relationship. And I was never and this might be too much information, but I was never on birth control. I know it's kind of a hot topic. But um, I I don't want to say never, but I was on birth control for a very short amount of time. I knew my body so well that... Over your whole life, you mean? Yeah. Like, I just maybe was like a few months, maybe even a year, but I knew right away when I was taking it that it didn't agree with me. Mm-hmm. The the hormones, the mood swings, the... It just never... It didn't work for me. Okay. And so we kind of like explored other ways of birth control. So I would track my ovulation to not get pregnant. You know, and it worked for that many years. And then all of a sudden you're wanting to get pregnant, so you flip it. You know, you're not having sex <laughs> on like a certain week or so every month. And then you're like, okay, let's flip it and have sex. And literally 
on the first try, we got pregnant. It's because you're a perfectionist. <laughs> Maybe. Well, also, I mean, you were charting so carefully. Right, right. And, and that's very humbling. And, and I didn't even really want to, like, share that. You know, I, I kind of was like, maybe that's not something I want to put out there. But we're very grateful that it happened that way. And it was very humbling because we know a lot of people that have had difficulties getting pregnant. So to say, like, we got it done on the first shot, like, yeah, I think just things were aligned correctly for it for it all to happen. And, and we were shocked, you know, like we definitely were not expecting that. We, we didn't know if we were just kind of like settling in for the long haul or not. Um, and when it happened so suddenly, you know, we kind of stayed quiet for a while, uh, which is hard to do when you're so close with your family on both sides. Oh, you didn't even tell your family? No. Like, we waited probably four or five weeks. Okay. And I guess the point of that for us was kind of buying some time to create our own opinions and form our own philosophies without those outside About opinions. About about pregnancy, about our birth intentions, about how we wanted it all to go down. Because you, so you hadn't really done research before that. No, not at all. Not at all. It, yeah, it's going to take a few months anyway. Yeah, I got some time. You know, I mean, I, typically it does. It's normal for it to take several months. Right. So, um, you know, first shot. How, first, did you know you were pregnant before you tested? Did you? Feel oh it? yeah, for what, sure. What, what did you feel? I was on a work trip, and um, you know, obviously missed my period, and it was one day, two day, three day, four day, five days, and again, I don't want to sound overly confident about how in tune I am with my body, but I didn't even need to take a test to know oh, I was knew. pregnant. But I waited seven days. I got back from my work trip, and um, we were having a really mundane Sunday. And my husband's like. So bored, blah blah blah. I'm like, all right. Well, how about I completely fuck up your day? <laughs> like Wait. either the best way. Yeah, it was just. So like, you didn't tell him. No, that you were late. I did not. No, not till I got home from my work trip. Was I? I knew in my body. I knew, but yeah, I just was like, okay. And I was contemplating it all day. Like maybe we should go take a bike ride. Maybe we should have a beer. You know, <laughs> like. I knew that the minute we took the test, it was going to change everything in a matter of minutes. So, um, you know, we took the the test and and I put it down on the counter and I was like, I can't even look. You look. And he said something like, well, I was like, what does it say? He said, well, it says two words (laughs) or no, it says it says a word or something, you know. And I was like, it took me a minute to register. Like, is it anyway? Yeah, and then just it's so intense how everything changes in a moment. And, and no, I hadn't planned anything. You know, I, I pulled from some birth stories from my family, like specifically um, my sister and my sister-in-law. And this is a funny story I tell is that, um, you know, two people I really respect in my life, my sister and my sister-in-law. One of them had her first child a few years ago. And I said, Courtney, you know, how was it? You know, just there was this one particular line that she had used that stuck in my head. She said, Erica, when I got rolled out of that hospital room, like from the birthing room into like the recovery room, she said, I looked back and I said, a fucking massacre occurred in that room. And so like just the thought of like birth and a massacre. And she was kidding. She was joking. But she literally, that was her thought in her head. And I was like, hmm, that must have just stuck in my brain. 
for a long time. And then my sister-in-law, who, when I had asked her about her birth story a while ago, she was like, well, my first child, who's 14 now, I had on a farm. And I, I knew nothing about Ina May and the farm when she had told me the story. I was like, oh, maybe she was like milking a cow and went into, <laughs> <laughs> went into labor. She had the baby at the farm? She did. But oh. at the time, she just described it like, oh, I just had a baby on oh, a farm. Like a farm. Yeah, yeah, on a farm. I was like, cool, you were in a farm or at a farm and you went to labor and you had to have the baby on the farm. I don't know. Just next to a cow having yeah. a baby over there. I was like, and then, you're, you know, a couple years later, I was like, Irene, you did not tell me it was <laughs> the farm, you know? And, and she had described her birth story as magical. Ooh. And I'd never heard somebody say my birth was magical. So here I am like, okay, I have a massacre on one side of me and, and, magical, a, and magical on the on other, on the other side. side of me. And I think that may have kind of spawned the idea of home birth. And, and even a week before I found out I was pregnant, I would have never in a million years thought that I would ever consider a home, a home birth. birth. Yeah, which I'm probably jumping ahead, but yeah. Well, yeah. So that's what you picked. It is what I picked. It is. How that's has, what we're intending on doing. Well, that's your 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 plan A. <clears throat> that is that's my what plan you're A. For. Yes. Um, before we get to that, just the, about the pregnancy. Yeah. How many weeks are you now? I'm going on 36 weeks now. Okay, so we're getting close. Mm-hmm. How has pregnancy been for you? Pregnancy has been such a trip. It's been really fun. And empowering, and, and, and empowering is a word that's used so frequently nowadays, but it really is empowering. It's really amazing to see that even though your body changes so much, but I still feel this strong sense of my, my muscles and my core and my heart and just everything has just been very heightened, but in, in a really beautiful way. Like, I've had a really great pregnancy. I've had zero morning sickness um, you know, my husband cooks really amazing food and makes sure that we're well nourished, which I think was a big deal in terms of how I felt spiritually, emotionally, physically. And in a way, it's kind of given me a new platform to explore wellness and mindfulness. So it's been it's been a trip. It's been really fun. I'm actually a little sad that I'm not going to be pregnant in a few weeks. It's going to be hard. I'm sure at that point... You know, you have a whole new set of things, but um, but it's been a really beautiful process for me. You know, I've, there's I've a lot of ways it. that you're not typical, but that's also, I think, not the typical thing that you hear when you ask someone who's 36 weeks pregnant, <laughs> how are you enjoying pregnancy? <laughs> it's usually the first few things are like what aches and pains and not comfortable moving is difficult. Right, Just getting right. used to a larger body. So um, it's pretty neat that you're enjoying it. Do you think that some of it's because of your athletic background? Because like, this is... It, it is a lot of work constantly it to is. just yep. be building baby and carrying baby wherever you go. Yeah, I've definitely rolled out the red carpet for myself in terms of this pregnancy. I am very active with yoga. I feel like yoga has been yoga and meditation really has been the backbone of this entire Ooh, process backbone. for me. Yeah, I mean it's my terminology. I, it is. Yeah, I mean that that's probably number 3. So yoga, meditation, body work. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously my appointments with you have been a game changer because you know, your your body changes so much and you need somebody really getting in those nooks and crannies to make sure that you're staying strong but staying limber mm-hmm. and loose, which is, you know, stuff that we've talked about in our appointments like 
you can't make somebody strong at that point in their pregnancy. But if they're already strong, we can do all these things to kind of help we can get manipulate. Rid of the tight. Yeah, manipulate the body. And, you know, acupuncture and massage and nutrition. I mean, I've really gone the full gamut of like things. And, you know, I feel really grateful to have the resources we do, you know, in, in Los Angeles where we live. Um, and to have the financial means to really um, see specialists and, and uh, have the opportunity to work with amazing doulas and midwives and, and people like yourself. So well, thanks. I feel really, yeah, I feel really lucky. It's mutual. Thank you. Um, you, spoiler alert, you talked about the fact that you're planning on a home birth, and I want to learn a lot more about that. But we're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about what you're planning. Uh don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a minute with Erica Ciccone Clancy. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our fascinating journey with Erica Ciccone Clancy. So you, uh, you're having a home birth. You had on one shoulder, you had massacre. On the other shoulder, you had magic. And <laughs> it sounds like you wanted to gravitate towards magic. I did. But um, surely you did some research. So what, what kind of resources did you look into in order to make your, uh, your decisions? First, can I just say one thing? Yeah. I, I just want to make sure that, you know, I've learned to do this process to respect every woman's decision, what sure. they feel comfortable doing. So so it's sort of like what's best for everybody, you know? What's best for one is not best for the other. You know, I have a, I have a good girlfriend of mine who we're about a week apart, and um, she is all bring on the science, you know? Like she got pregnant via IVF. Her, her husband had an autoimmune disorder that he almost, it got touch and go for a while and science brought him back to life. Mm -hmm. You know, so like we talk and, and I'm on this one side of the spectrum and she's on the other. So I just want to make sure that even though this is the decision I've chosen, I definitely respect every woman who, you know, chooses the hospital birth 
because mm-hmm. that's what makes her comfortable and happy, and, and that's what empowers her. So, First of all, in, in Los Angeles, there's a gazillion options. You can have home birth with right. an obstetrician, home birth with a midwife, birthing center birth. Uh, you can have hospital birth with midwives, you know, and hospital births with obstetricians. You can have medicated, unmedicated vaginal cesarean. There's a gazillion choices. <laughs> Say on, that 20 times. On how to have a kid today. And there's no right or wrong way. There's, you know, you, that's the whole concept of informed pregnancies. You, we right. provide you with lots of information and choices and, and perspective. And then you just pick, you know, what makes the most sense to you. Surround yourself with good providers and, and go. So we're, I'm totally on the same page with that. Um, but in your case, uh, you know, you chose home birth. I, I think anybody should give birth where they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and supported. I mean, for me, of course, you start out with the what do you read? What do you watch? What do you listen to to shape your, your birth intentions? And obviously, we did all that research, you know, all the books, you know, um, for me, Ina May was a big push. You know, I read her guide to childbirth. Like even now today, I'm, I'm, every night I read Spiritual Midwifery, all those beautiful birth stories. Mm. Kind of helps me fall asleep with a, a clear and, and, you know, happy thoughts in my brain in, in terms of birthing. Um, I started meditating a few years ago with this amazing app called Headspace. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that helped me through... Like the year I was married, it kept me very much in the in, in in the present, you know, very in the moment. I had this very vivid memory of of chaos the morning of my wedding and just closing my eyes and and remembering all the techniques I've learned through Headspace, um, and really being present and changing everything. Changed the entire day for me. It really reminded me to be in the moment. So, um, you know, reading the meditation. Um, obviously, I got very um, into your podcast. Mm. I think, I mean, you've had all the superstars, all the birth workers um, on your podcast, um, which flatters me to be here um, as well. But, um, you know, having somebody that you kind of know personally, like yourself, um, interview and, and, and conversate with, with some really amazing uh, birth workers is, has been eye-opening. Um, and of course, you know, Business of Being Born, everybody talks about, everybody watches. Um, there was another amazing documentary I watched called, um, my husband and I watched called Why Not Home. Oh, yeah. And I think that one doesn't get as much press uh, as Business of Being Born does, but it's essentially about um, OBs and um, labor and delivery nurses that decide to have their babies at home and why. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of more informative. It was a little more um, up to date, I think, than Ricky Lake's documentary, although that's the... I you know that's what everybody watches. It's the iconic. Uh, it is open it's... your mind to other alternative forms of birth. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, um, so it's interesting because when I when I first came to California, I I, I didn't really know anybody who had home birth mm-hmm. uh, ever, and this is probably about fifteen years ago. And the first time I heard about it, I thought, oh, that's a very specific type of mm-hmm. person. And sure. I pictured like tree-hugging, Prius-driving, vegan, hippie, you know. <laughs> um, and then slowly but surely, I started to meet other people, also ups, uh, an obstetrician who had her babies at home and other professionals who had their babies at home, just very, very diverse different types of cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities. And and um, they they couldn't be more similar in other ways, and they were all choosing to have home birth. And right. it, you started to realize it's not it, – it's deeper than that. 
And so also, right. like, originally, if I had a picture, that home birth image that I originally had in my mind, you would not have fit into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would at all. I, I don't <laughs> – so. I, I have no idea how I became a part of the 2%. I have no yeah. idea. But, um, well, you know, it's a grown 2%. It is. And, and more so about, you know, the reading and the watching. And you kind of just need to get off the internet and off your television and start doing shit and collecting your own information, you know, like I said before, using meditation and yoga as a basis for everything, you know, the yoga led me to my amazing doula, mm-hmm. um, Patty Quintero, who With has, whom we have an episode. Yes. And, and she was a game changer as well um, in terms of her spirituality and the way her company, Uma Mother, is looking at, you know, this process. Um, you know, she led me to you. Mm-hmm. to Dr. Berlin. And then so you led me almost to, um, you know, this amazing food delivery service mm-hmm. that's uh, just starting up right now called 25-8 with this wonderful woman named Erica Mock. And um, we'll have her someday. You should. You should. She's very passionate about what, what so she's doing. So passionate. Um, you know, my midwives at uh, LA Midwife Collective, Monica Wood and Jennifer Brandon Rees, um, they led me to Britta Bushnell, and uh, Dave and I took this amazing two-day intensive Britta class over Labor Day weekend that was so informative, and the way in which Britta teaches through mythology and through storytelling, you know, you can only, you could read so many books, but when you finally get into the thick of it, I'm thinking when I get into the thick of it in labor, I'm not going to be pulling all that information from those books that I read. I'm mm-hmm. going to be reaching for the stories that Britta told about Apollo and Artemis mm. and these mythical creatures and what they embody to help me through birth. You know, uh, another amazing person that I met through Britta's classes, who was sort of her second uh, during these birthing classes, was Lori Bregman, oh, another yeah. amazing doula that you've had on the show. Yes. And, Connecting with Lori kind of brought me to my postpartum doula. So, like, there's this amazing chain of people that you meet. And if you just kind of, like, go down that tunnel of, like, the Internet and books, you kind of miss out on real life doing, collecting information, meeting people, getting references through your life experiences and not so much just on Dr. Google. So So that would be something I took away from this that was special. We have... Just because you brought them up, we have an episode with Britta called Mythologies, Metaphors, mm-hmm. and Childbirth. Yes. And um, she goes into really a lot of detail about why the neocortex, where you store all those facts and figures and data and PowerPoint kind of information, it's good to know. But we hope that part of the brain shuts off away. during labor. Yeah. But these stories and metaphors live a little deeper, more towards the limbic system, the part of the brain where that hardwiring mm-hmm. is that that every female on the planet has, human or otherwise, right, is born with. And, and kind the of, wild side. Well, it's the know? wild side, but it's, it's the pre-programmed hardwiring that takes the sperm and the egg and grows a human being out of it with no help from the outside, really. We watch and observe and test and measure, but we don't really do anything to make that baby grow. Um, and labor and delivery is sort of the same thing. That hardwiring is there, right? Mm-hmm. Other animals don't read a book, don't listen to a podcast, don't take a class, watch a movie. They don't have a doula. They don't have a midwife. They just give birth. Right. And they go around and, and start taking care of the newborn. They didn't go to medical school, but they somehow do all the 
neonatal care, you know? Right. Um, and so where that hard wiring is, is kind of, it's the border between there and the neocortex where stories and metaphors mm-hmm. live. So when your front brain kind of flickers out a little bit, you can still reach in for right. those stories and they can guide you through. Exactly. And of course, Lori Bregman, who's a bundle of energy, a wealth of knowledge, and has such a diverse background that makes her who she is, and also authored the book, The Mindful Mom-to-Be. So yep. you're surrounded by I am. And, really and great energy. Yeah, it was basically just getting out there and getting engulfed in this pregnancy world of people and just gravitating and getting references. It, like I said, just getting out off the internet and into the real world and, and just really meeting people that you connect with and and who say and do things that resonate with you and, and have them refer you to the next person. Was That's, your husband always on board with the home birth as he, well? He was. I mean, amazingly, I think he he allowed me to form the decision. He kind of let me have a little more say in it. I mean, I was always like, babe, like this is your child too. This is your birth too. This is your birth experience as well. He kind of like let me lead, but he was on board right from the beginning. Um, I think, but I think, you know, both of us have never really felt connected to hospital births. We'd visit friends in the hospital right after giving birth. I watched my sister birth her second baby in the hospital um, in Long Island. No massacre. And, and <laughs> no massacre. The second baby came really, really quick. Oh, and cool. then she said, Don't you don't you think don't you dare think this is how it's gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> she almost had the baby in the car. It's, oh, wow. it's this intense story where like her husband and I were in the car and I was driving. He told me to pull over on the LIE and we switched position we switched spots and, and he drove and <laughs> the doula was like, Are you here yet? And we're like nowhere near the hospital. <laughs> and it was, you know, oh, wow. there was That's snow really and he's on an embankment and it was just like Literally, she got into the delivery room. They stripped her clothes off because she was in hats and scarves. It was the winter. <laughs> and she jumped on the bed and Poof. literally <laughs> little Luca was just there. And That's incredible. So um, it was amazing to watch. But, um, you know, definitely I know it doesn't happen like that all the time. And definitely Certainly not with the, the first, first. one. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not. So um, and, and for me, I think I was always searching for alternative ways um, to do things. I've never been a rule follower. You know, I like to be informed. I like to make my own choices. I like to go against the grind. Um, I actually also really love my home. I think that's a big part of it. Like being comfortable in your body, being in tune with the way it works and really loving your home. Like I have this secret passion for interior design and and Ooh. I have definitely spent a lot of time making our home ready for this particular stage in in our life. So, um, you know, we toured the birthing centers and the hospitals and they were all lovely, but, you know, not to sound so cliche, but we just kept coming back home and it just felt like we could do this. I'm confident. And I know birth is unpredictable, but it, it would be nice to at least control some things like your environment and your choices and and, you know, your sheet count. <laughs> you <laughs> always though, bring sheets with you. I mean, you, you I, know, know. <laughs> I know. I know. I just, you know, even uh, though I know you have to get the, you know, we're doing our birth kit right now, like our shopping list of things. And, uh, you know, you have to get the shitty sheets because they're just going to get destroyed. But I could still be cool. on my Casper mattress, but with, you know, four layers of Crummy sheet protection. that you don't mind throwing away. 
Exactly. So you, so far you mentioned your husband is coming. You have a midwife. You have two midwives. Yes, I have a team of midwives. And my doula, correct, Patty um, Quintero. I think that um, the food and the nutrition is a really big part of my birth day. Um, I want to make sure, like, we even entertain the idea of having a chef come and, like, doing a craft service spread. And, like, having this beautiful food and keeping everybody really nourished. I Mm. think that... Um, That's the and that might lure you yeah. there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like What's you could that? be. I might be there. Yeah, I mean. Well, now that you mentioned craft services, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> you know the teas and the cold brew and the the kitchery and and all the wonderful food. I think that when you hear stories of people who attempt to do the home birth and it doesn't happen a lot of times, it's not for an emergency. It's because of exhaustion. And I know that's a very real possibility, but I also feel like keeping everybody fed. And this is from production. This is such like a television production thing. Like This is producer keep, turned reproducer. It is. Like keep the crafty going. Like do not skimp on that craft service because it keeps everyone those strong. brownie yeah. bites are good. Those gluten-free brownie bites are going to keep people going into that 12th, 13th, 14th hour. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like taking that bit of, of my everyday life and, and you know, using that That's in my kind life. of how my role at birth actually turns in anyway, because in, <laughs> in production, when I first came here, we had this company, Production Carousage, and um, that's, you know, that's what directors would say is like, if you come do a chair massage, then you can take somebody who's fatigued and running out of steam and just yes. give them another two or three hours, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, Dave and I definitely... Are you filming it? We're not filming it. My, my husband's a amazing, creative... Um, still photographer. Okay. So we are a still photography family as opposed to video. (laughs) So, um. That's fine. Nobody really ever watches video. (laughs) I produce television. No, no, no. I'm not saying that home video. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying we have hours and hours and gigabytes and gigabytes. It's not really easy to go back to it. But if you have an album, you know, you have pictures, it's a lot easier. Yeah. I think it's important for him to uh, utilize his passion within the birthing process and take some really beautiful still photos. He's um, very into recently, um, he has like a 1930s four by five camera that we used at our wedding. And and he takes, he hikes it up mountains in uh, in Hawaii and and takes these amazing four by five photos up there. So I think he'll, he'll bust out some of that um, in terms of still photography, but I, I don't have much desire to, to video it. Um, I have a question. Has your family been on board? I know at first you didn't even tell them you were pregnant because <laughs> uh, you wanted to think about your It's options. hard. Yeah. You talk to them every day. And how are you? I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. good. But um, it was important. Blah. It was yeah, important. Uh, you didn't get any morning sickness. So yeah, I did You didn't. could hide it better. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the advice is going to come. We just delayed it for a few weeks. Fair enough. Yeah. How do they feel about your home birth plan? You know, I think they are very much on board. They're super supportive. I mean- our family's always been very open-minded. I think I had to explain to them my reasoning. And maybe if they're not 100% comfortable with it, I think they want to make sure that I feel completely supported. So they're on board. You know, and my husband's side of the family, because we did have, you know, one person, my, my sister-in-law, that did have a farm birth. And with her second child, she attempted a home birth. And when she went into labor, she had meconium in her water. So she had to transfer to a, a wonderful hospital in Brooklyn and still had a, an amazing second birth. But um, I think she kind of broke in the family mm-hmm. for that. Um, Somebody's already walked through the cornfield. Sort of, yeah, yeah. But, but and our, by the way, that's what makes home birth safe is that midwives are pretty skilled at seeing, you know, 
who's a good candidate for staying at home right. and who isn't. And they only take, you know, clients who make a good, you know, a good midwife only take good clients who, who make sense for home birth. As soon as there's a pink flag, then right. we transfer care naturally to a hospital setting. So. Right. And, and we did do the doctor thing for the first couple weeks. Um, I just felt like, and this might sound ridiculous, but if you're low risk and you're healthy, and I feel like even at 38, I'm probably healthier than half the 20-year-olds I know. I don't know many 20-year-olds, but I did. <laughs> I'm sure I like am way healthier than them. But I just always found it odd that you would see an OBGYN who essentially in my eyes is a surgeon right. for your prenatal care. And maybe that's really naive to say, but well, I, th- I think in some other countries, you typically would see a midwife throughout your whole pregnancy, and then right. the doctor's there in case anything more medical pops mm-hmm. up that needs to be addressed by a medical doctor or a surgeon. Right. But, right. It, you know, I think a lot of people scratch their heads and wonder why, for a typical routine low-risk pregnancy, our system doesn't provide for someone who is not a surgeon, you know, who, right. whose tools of the trade are not drugs and surgery, right? to, to you know, guide you, manage you, help you, and support you in your pregnancy. Because essentially um, it's cheaper. I mean, not for us, because you have to sort of, you know, pay out of pocket. Like, the, the realness well, of the home birth. in our system, midwives right. end up being more expensive. But right. if that right. was a built into the healthcare system, like it is in other countries, then it, childbirth should conceivably, no pun intended, cost us less. Right. Um, do you have concerns about the intensity and or like very specific comfort measures that you plan to fall back on? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that something I've learned through, especially in the in the Brita classes, um, is that in labor, pain equals progress, right? So I'm kind of in a weirdly masochistic way welcoming the pain. And, and I think to kind of draw back on, on my life, my young life as an athlete, especially as a gymnast, you learn to push through a lot of pain, a lot of injuries. Um, so I'm hoping I can kind of channel that. Um, but in a way, I think I've learned to take the word pain or intensity and almost welcome it because that means things are moving along, right? Mm -hmm. I think I have a pretty high threshold for pain. I think um, just, again, from being a gymnast, you just learn to push through a lot of pain and intensity for the ultimate goal. And I'm setting myself up, hopefully, with a lot of great comfort measures, you know, with my doula and the freedom of movement and my yoga ball and the rebozo and all those really cool, like, pain coping techniques that, that we've kind of learned, my husband and I, to to deal with that. But I think there's still like that unknown. You know, I feel like I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to prepare. Like in gymnastics, you know, it's you're training so long and hard all these hours for this, you know, these four events. Mm-hmm. And you could just have a bad day. And that doesn't mean you didn't train really, really hard. That just means you had a bad day and you fell off beam. Or you stumbled out of bounds on on floor exercise, or, but I think all the work is in the preparation, and then you kind of have to just let it go and see what happens. And and I know it's not going to be easy. I, it is. It's not called labor <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. But um, uh, it's so inspiring just to even hear you talk about that background in gymnastics and how perfectionist like you have to be, and you push through, and you train, and. And, um, you know, it's something that is, 
I didn't necessarily have that growing up. Like, I, you know, like you talk about stumbling out of bounds on the mat, and I sometimes fall out of bed watching Netflix. It's not exactly the same, <laughs> but I'm just saying the next day you get up and you try again. You watch more Netflix. And right. You probably train really hard to stay in bed watching Netflix. You but move every over now to the and middle, then you fall some, out. You know, you learn. Yeah. You learn. Don't be hanging <laughs> off the edge if you're holding on to the remote and falling asleep. Um, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm very inspired by you and I, I do Thank think, you. you know, I do think that it's that mindset of, um, of being able to sort of mind over body, right. Is, is what you had to do. And then headspace helps you with that even more. Your meditations and your yoga really. I'm trying to score you some sponsors here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Headspace. I know Take them. the kickback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I, I even during the pregnancy, I, I'm I, I look forward to our visits together. You you inspire me in a lot of different ways. Um, as you kind of mentioned earlier, everybody has their own birth intentions and their own birth plans. Um, it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into it and a lot of work into it, and we're getting pretty close. We are. It's I'm about exciting. to start my my two two times a week with you and. Hopefully get that body limber and and ready to go. Did the midwives um, already do the home check, or is that? That's up actually soon? coming up. Yeah, next week. Next week. So, yep. So that's the real be... deal. Then you're in the zone. We're in the weeks, zone. Yeah, know? we're in the red zone, um, for sure. And um, you know, I think that there's a lot of information out there. It's so overwhelming, but I think you will have. I think I will have success no matter how this turns out by staying really true to. Just staying really true to our feelings and and staying true to our vision, you know, not doing something because it's trendy, not doing something because it's it's what this famous person did. I think you have to really stay true to your vision, and you won't be disappointed. And mm-hmm. and be flexible, you know, like that's a really terrible gymnastics pun, but to be stay flexible, <laughs> stay flexible that's true. you know. And and we definitely are not engaging too hard in the what happens if we transfer, you know, what happens if we find out that transferring is the next best thing. Mm-hmm. We will prepare for it, but I think to stay in a certain mindset is what we're going for. I love it. Yeah, and and, and connecting with your husband throughout this whole process has been probably the number one technique. I've learned is like, you're not in this alone. I have a great partner and, um, you know, all the doulas and all the, you know, home chefs and midwives in the world really aren't going to compare to me pulling from the, the strong relationship I have with my husband and, and having this journey with him. And when, when shit hits the fan, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, him being okay, if I tell him, to go fuck himself because I probably will. And he laughs when we say that, but he knows that's just all out of, um, out of love and, and he's got a pretty thick skin and, and he knows we're in this together. So yeah, well, it's amazing that you feel strong enough and safe enough in your relationship to be able to just express whatever you're feeling, including that, (laughs) including that. Um, I look forward to seeing you again or listening to you again after your baby is here. Awesome. And finding out how your journey went. And I'll see you in the morning. We have an And I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8.15. Yeah, we'll just hang out all night. Because um, I guess at home you don't realize it's pretty late now. <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks so much for being here, Erica. Thank you for having me. At home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you like our show, go ahead and share us with your friends and take a moment to give us some feedback, either in your podcast app or by writing to info at informedpregnancy.com.
Give me the news, I got 